Jillian Bentavale. <laughs> um, girl, I wanted to tell the listeners just a little bit about our process for, before we started. Okay. Because this morning I was watching Tower at mm-hmm. like literally 4.30 in the morning when I got up. And I, a lot of times when I'm watching these documentaries, if something ridiculous happens, I will take a video of it, like a 30 second video and text it to you. And then As we'll if laugh I like, haven't already watched it I and know. taken notes about it. <laughs> but then I was like texting it and I was like, this is so funny. And I went to listen to it back on my phone and I realized I was wearing headphones and you couldn't hear anything. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, 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 is it the file I sent you? And had no sense of humor about it because we had... And like our super was here ripping our kitchen sink out and it was just like I was like what and then you corrected and you were like no you idiot I can't like just reread the text and I was like I promise I'll have a sense of humor by three o'clock I swear oh girl what are we talking about today we are talking about tower yeah I have a suggestion what can you can you um can you ding the sound effect to your right here's my suggestion what today it's a hero bell a hundred percent. You guys, we have to have a hero bell beat, and it's gonna go off like crazy. Yeah. This this movie is all about here. This it movie is, is hero from start to finish. It's like the keepers all over again. Yeah. Where like something horrible happens, but then you're like, that person's amazing. That yeah. person's life changing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, and it's like at every single turn, every but. I mean, I was you and I both were talking about how we were like scream crying. I was like sc- I was like screaming at the TV. This movie literally for a minute restored my faith in humanity. Yeah. Super hot husband Mike took a picture of me watching it crying. Yeah. Yeah. And was like, you should post this in the Facebook group. And I did. It's not a good picture of me, you guys. That's how much I love you and trust that group where it's really just a heinous photo of me. Well, but it's so real. I was afraid that my neighbors were going to think that I was dying because I was like literally crying into my computer. I was in Shakespeare class when it started and we all ran to the windows of the English building. I guess there's no way around it. We have to just get going. You guys, this is brutal. This is brutal. It's tough. I mean, there's... Yeah, I feel like we should have a little bit of a trigger warning here. It's very... This was very hard to watch. If it was hard wanna... to watch. And and I'm going to tell you what else, though, you guys. We are going to, like, laugh at the absurd moments. And, like, that's why you listen to this podcast. We all think that, like, this is the absolute worst thing that could ever possibly happen. We're on everybody's side. Yeah. I mean, we were both scream-sobbing watching yeah, this. Yeah, scream-sobbing. Like, the, the, <laughs> the respect is there. Yeah. The, we're being very honorable about it. But, like, you guys, if we don't laugh, we're going to cry and throw ourselves up. And that's what this podcast is. Yeah, come on. So we would never, ever, ever disrespect anybody involved in One this. One zillion percent. Yeah. Start us off. 
All right, so this documentary, first of all, it's animated. We have to talk about the style, right? Yeah, it's basically, it's Waking Life. It's the style of Waking Life. The yeah. same guy did it. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's all, it's a style of animation that I was supposed to write down or wanted to write down and I didn't. <laughs> but it's like where they are actual people on screen and then they're animated over the film. It's a documentary based on real people mm-hmm. who have given in interviews and then the actors are portraying these people and then the actors are animated. Right, because this happened August 1st, 1960. So we right. do meet some of the real people, yeah. heroes, heroes, heroes. Yeah. And but then, you know, they're all in college. So right. they had y- younger actors portray them as if it was August 1st, 1966, telling the story of what happened. And it's seamless from the animation to the the real footage. Right. Exactly. And there is so much footage, though. Yeah, there, like, is. there are tons and of footage. it's used so perfectly. Yeah. Like the footage, the actual real footage, when we see it, I'm thinking of one moment in particular, yeah. is used so perfectly. We'll get there. So we start off meeting Claire yeah. and her boyfriend. Claire is very pregnant. Uh, her boyfriend, Tom, not the father of the baby. They're just dating. This amazing story where like, they met when she was six months pregnant. It was kind of amazing and wonderful. I don't know. We were just in love. You know, just really just totally connected to each other and we never find out about like the dad or whatever but yeah. they just like fell in love and she has this adorable story about how like she felt like in the first in the beginning he was trying to figure out if she was pregnant or chubby yeah 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 <laughs> they were having a little bit of a fight because he wanted her to get more nutrition and he was really really concerned about her health and she is very pregnant yeah i mean very very pregnant they leave the coffee house and they're gonna put more money in the meter for their car um, and then suddenly, like, we're off and running and shots are fired. And then all of a sudden, Claire is just, like, down. I just felt this... This huge jolt. Like I'd stepped on a live wire. And then also, like, so then Tom reaches down. He doesn't know what's happening either. He, like, reaches down, and then there's another shot, and then Tom is on the ground. Tom said, Baby! reached out for me and then yeah because at this point they're in the middle of I guess the quad it's an op- it's a completely open space yeah it's a very dangerous place to be with a, with a live shooter and then like the weirdest thing that in another documentary would have derpy derpy music under it garbage person number one <laughs> do not ring the hero bell for him I am not get this bell away from me I'm throwing it across the room what are you doing get up from there Please call a doctor. Get your books. He's like, get your books up. Like, pick up your books. Get off the ground. It's that weird thing where, like, is there no blood? Is there no anything? Like, these kids are just lying there clearly... Uh, we'll find out in a minute. One of them's dead. Uh-huh. And then she's pregnant and lying there. And this man, and especially in the animation, it doesn't do them any favors. Because no. the animation of his face, he just looks so, like, annoyed. Yeah, get your book. Like, pick up your books. Like, right. who the fuck are you? There's a woman, a pregnant woman. Like, <laughs> right. I, I don't know how to stress this anymore, you idiot. Right, right. I hate him. And then he's sort of like, whatever, and, like, walks away. I have in my notes big capital letters. What is happening? I know. Wherever you are, sir, I hope you feel very bad about this. You better. All right, so the next thing we see is this paper boy. Yeah. And he's on his, like, he talks about how he has, like, the coveted root in Austin. Right. I had a paper route around the University of Texas. It was the biggest route in Austin, and everybody wanted to get that route. He's on his bike with his cousin, and they're sort of, like, riding around. He wasn't supposed to work that day. I hate those stories. I know, totally one of those stories where, like, 
that morning he gets a call. The other kid isn't available. Right. Yeah. So he picks up his cousin and off they go. Right. And so all of a sudden he gets shot. And I heard some sounds like popping. It sounded like firecrackers. Okay. Now we have to talk about the super hot sort of racist cop. McCoy. (laughs) McCoy's the best. I love McCoy. So the actor who plays him, I looked him up. And the actor is so gorgeous. It's like, it's... Un- IMDb'd I did his name Blair or something. He's, this man is so beautiful. And he's got this like Matthew McConaughey thing where he's just like mm. always smoking but somehow makes it look like super sexy He was hot. skipping rocks <laughs> when the call came in. Listening like, to his country and western. Like leaning up against the, the sheriff's car. Skipping right. rocks. Totally, totally. McCoy. I was either filling out reports or just taking it easy a little bit. Listen to my radio on the country western. He becomes a very prominent player in this, but like in the right now, we're just sort of getting his introduction. Yeah, because he's the first sheriff to be told about it. So the call comes in on the radio, and he can't really make out what's happening. Then the radio called my number, and I was trying to make out what they were saying, but it just wasn't coming through. I can't, I can't make out what you're saying. You keep cutting out now. All he can get out of this is there's something happening at the University of Texas. He doesn't know, but he's a sheriff. He's doing his job. He's yeah. just reporting to the University of Texas to what is a living nightmare. Basically. And like being gorgeous. Yeah. So next week, we sort of like cut to a newsroom. It's like KTCB, like ra- a radio reporter. Mm-hmm. And he's saying how like it was just a regular day. August 1st started out as a typical summer day in Austin, Texas. And it was a day that you sat around, frankly. And we were trying to decide... Okay, what do we cover today? And then they like listen to the police scanner. I don't know if they called it a police scanner in 1966, <laughs> but the radio. Yeah. And now the newsroom is picking up information and they're like talking about it live as as the police are getting information. Right. The reporters are broadcasting it to the world. Right. Or to Texas, at least. We have police radios, of course, throughout the newsroom. We have a shooting or gunshots at the University Tower. And then within seconds. We need all the we can at the University Tower. There's a guy on top of the tower, and he's shooting, shooting at people, and they're dispatching officers as best they can to the scene. Yeah, so just to be clear, what's happening at the University of Texas is there is this big building known as the tower on campus, Yeah, and someone is up in the tower with a sniper rifle sniping at people. Just like, just taking people out. Yeah, and there's this open space where Claire and her boyfriend were, where it's like just bare, there are no trees, and it's like a, the main like thoroughfare you have to walk by there so these people are just like yeah such a target there's another person we meet here who i don't know if we ever get her name but she was in shakespeare class oh right yeah yeah (laughs) yep 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 i was in shakespeare class when it started and we all ran to the windows of the english building we just stood there peering out over each other's shoulders I love this character because she gets really honest. Like, she gets very honest about who she is as a human. I um, love it. And she sort of is one of the characters we meet all the way through. So just, we'll come back to Shakespeare, student. Uh-huh. Just, just put a pin in that. Yeah, yeah. So we meet co-op guy. Yes. Who you who works at the university co-op across yeah. the street <laughs> and sees that our friend on the paper route paper has boy. been shot. Yeah, he thinks he sees a fight. So he's right. sort of like offhandedly is like, I'm going to go out there and break up this fight. And he gets over there and there's a boy on the ground who's been shot and is bleeding out. I got across the street and found the boy had been shot. All right, let's stop this bleeding here. And so I tried to stop the flow of blood. 
You okay? okay. I heard reports that I recognized as gunshots, but I could not tell where they were coming from. How many people do you know, even if it was just a fight, yeah. would go across the street from their job and right. insert themselves to try to help the situation? Nobody. Can we get a hero ding? Hero. Yeah, this is just like hero number one. So my other question is, again, why is it so quiet? This kid has been shot and he's bleeding and everyone is like, shh, like it's, it's, like a, it's a hushed tone. I know. This movie is very quiet. Yes. Every, like there's a shooter in a building shooting and it, it's like silence. So I don't understand that. It's how you know I wasn't there. Right. Because I, ah! Like your hair's on fire. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. It would have, it, that's how I would have been. Yeah, there'd be a Patrick-shaped hole in any, whatever. And, and in the air, you would just be running. Just running for the hills. So now we're back to Claire. She's lying on the pavement. It's a billion degrees. I didn't know at the time, but I was losing a lot of blood. I felt like I was melting. The heat was just deadly. And the pavement was so hot that it was burning the backs of my legs. She talks. She has this moment where she talks about how, like, she sort of feels the baby like slump to the side. This mm. is brutal. This it's, is brutal. It's absolutely brutal. I thought that I felt the baby kind of fall to the side. So I thought he probably wasn't alive any longer. You know, by the eighth month, your baby's moving a lot, and after I got shot, the baby never moved. Why am I drinking water? Why is this not filled? Why don't I have an IV of vodka? I don't understand. I know. It's horrible. I didn't. I came woefully underprepared today. <laughs> so now we're back to hot cop. Mm-hmm. And every single line that I've written is like, why is he so hot? He's smoking. Why does that look so hot? He's driving. Why does that look so hot? <laughs> Suddenly you just have a thing for guys in sheriff's outfits. I know. I, listen, this guy has a Matthew, like a Texas Matthew McConaughey vibe. Yeah. And he says things like, you know, because he shows up and he he is just assuming that whatever's happening is already over, probably because nobody's screaming like their hair's on fire. Like even he's like, sound feels pretty quiet. Like it's probably over. Right. And he, he says things like, well, when the law gets there, it's usually over, you know? And I'm like, all right, I see you, Matthew. I and see I'm you. drooling. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. It's ridiculous. You know, I, I thought it was already over with. Lawman gets there and by then it's usually over with, you know? Okay. And this is why this is why you call him maybe kind of racist. Okay, so here's the thing: I keep calling him like hot, maybe racist cop because mm-hmm. he talks about how he thinks this is probably a Black Panther situation. Yeah, well, it is 1966 in Texas. I'm just saying, right. like for the t- just let's give a little context here of what what is happening. Right. But he says things like, "I just thought there's a thousand windows up there and a thousand Black Panthers, a revolution." And the hair just stood up on the back of my neck. And I'm going to say I was scared. He was bigger than me. You know what it is, hot racist cop? It's a lone white guy like it always is. I know. But he's not that. He's not awful. He is. Um, he ends up being amazing. I guess he, so. That, this one thing is a very questionable thing. I have to say, when things like this happen, I don't let it go. Like, I always remember it. Even if you end up doing something like super heroic, I'm always like, yeah, but you're Which he does in about 90 minutes. I know, I know, I know. But, <laughs> so at this point, and this is like some crazy, like, technology for the 60s. I know. The reporter is, like, in his car. He, t- he says to, like, have, have the disc jockey put on some, like, news music. Yeah. And then, like throw it to him and he's like reporting from his car hunched in his car right i began my broadcast as i was driving up to the town this is legal spouse red rover on the university of texas campus this is a warning to the citizens of austin stay away from the university area there is a sniper on the university tower firing at will 
And he's even interviewing someone, and he's like, all right, get get down behind the door. Right. And the person is crouching, and the footage is amazing. And this is one of those beautiful times where it's like animation into the real footage. Totally. And it is just, it's just visually stunning and just like raw and real. And yeah. I'm just like, I can't even believe it. Uh, what else did you see as you came through the campus? Did you see any other injured persons? There's several people laying out on the mall at this time. Three of them may be shot, and the others may just be laying there. And then we meet Martinez. Heart eye emoji. Can we get a... Hero, hero, heart eye emoji <laughs> for Martinez. Martinez, who like, this is neither here nor there, but he's so gorgeous, I can't stand I it. I love him. I know. I know. I love him. Um, so he is just like one of those guys who like, you know, he's talking about how like he's just expecting another routine day. Right. I was just expecting another routine day. I had dropped my daughters off at daycare. My wife was at work. And my shift didn't start until 3 p.m. So he turns on the news and hears the the nonsense. And he calls in to see if they need him. So I got on the telephone. Voice operator. Hey, this is Martinez. Do they need anybody? Pardon me? And I called the station. This is Martinez. Do they need anybody? Captain Martinez is on. You want him to come out? Oh my god. And then these shenanigans. They put the paperboy in an ambulance and basically drive around like an Uber X to see like who else they can pick up. I know. It's like, are you kidding me? I know. So they get a call that the that they're gonna <laughs> Uber X. The ambulance driver got a call. Right around the corner, there was another person that they wanted him to pick up. And the, this paper boy, who is doing like the sweetest thing, where he's holding his cousin's I know, hand. I know the cousin sitting in the front seat. I know they stop. put a pin in that too. Him I and know. the cousin, please for sure, please. So we they stop the ambulance, and the kids like to, like they just who knows where the guy where the ambulance driver goes. The kid, the, the paper boy, can see the tower from the ambulance. Looking out that window, it was just a direct shot. And of course, I'm thinking, if we don't get out of here quick. I'm going to get shot again. But at, at one point, it's like, yes, save everybody, but can we just speed it up just the tiniest there bit? There is a reason like, why in 2017, it's one person per ambulance. People. I know. Let's go. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. But then we hear, this is like another super scary thing, is that like, co-op guy realizes he can't get back across the street without being right. shot. What does he have to become? A hero. A hero. Yeah. I tried to find a telephone to call my wife. My wife knew it was my lunch hour, and I knew that she would worry. So, I knew that if I could make it to the tower, that I could make contact with the store. And my wife. So we meet Hot Nerd in Glasses. Two guys playing chess listening to Top 40. We were listening to the Top 40 and playing chess in this room. We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin from ABC Radio. They said somebody was on top of the tower with an air rifle. Air rifle? (laughs) Shooting with an air rifle. Didn't sound dangerous to us. Sounded exciting. You want to go check it out? Yeah, let's go. They seem like doofuses, these two. Because they're like, oh, there's trouble at the college? Let's go down and see what it is. Yeah, because again, nobody's thinking there's a high-powered sniper rifle picking people off in the tower. Like, that is so not on anyone's mind. So... They think it's a little exciting. Right. Something's happening. Can you, hand, can you hand that over for a second? I would love to. Because what happens is that this guy becomes hero of the whole thing. Hero. Like, sorry, this is your bell. I don't know why I took it from you. You keep taking it. But I was like, is this bell nailed down? Like I said <laughs> last week. All right. So do you want to take us through it? Yeah. Okay. 
So these two boys, they're kind of a little excited, curious about it. Because again, like it's not on their mind that yeah. this horrible thing would be happening. They're just dumb college boys. But it hits them really quickly because they're out there and they realize that once they get onto campus, it's just chaos. We were just walking down the middle of a road and a guy waved at us. Get out, you know? Get undercover. Get out of the street. And that was the first time we had that things were bad long. And now it's becoming more madness because the police have arrived and the police are returning fire. Right. It's like a battle scene. It's like, hey, look, and another shot. There are two different kinds of shots. Apparently police are returning the fire now. So there are different types of gunshots from different types of guns from all different directions and nobody knows what the fuck is going on. So this is where the hot racist cop um, a little bit shows his colors because he finds like a he like goes into a like a room and he's like, Does anybody have a gun? There's a bunch of students and I just hollered out. Anybody got a rifle? Some old boy said he did. Of course, someone's like, I have a raffle. And I'm like, oh, God, this is, te- oh, Texas. Oh, God. So what happens is, he go- like, they go up to, like, a- they get a vantage point from where they can, like, they can't be seen by the shooter, but they can see the shooter. And McCoy, like, leans into the window to get a shot. And he has the wobble. He's got the wobble. I took the rifle first. But, see, I've never shot a scope. I was raised a poor boy and. 22 is the biggest thing I ever shot. I was shaking. And what it was is, I mean, it wasn't a nervous shake. It was the wobble. Yeah, the wobble. I just couldn't get the crosshairs to center in on nothing. I was like, oh, that's a thing, I guess, that's when you thing don't. That a cop gets I in know. a moment of truth? But I mean, and then you realize, like, oh my God, they were not trained with these weapons at all because a sniper is a military weapon. Right. Like, not a police. You know what I mean? Like, but don't you think you should be a little bit more cool? One zillion percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the student's like, I got it. The 18 year old kid is like, just give me it. Just give me the rifle. Please just give it to me. Also, an 18 year old kid has a rifle at school. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. What is happening? I know. That boy said he could. Lord knows he had better eyes than I did. The student with the rifle asks McCoy, like, so if I if I get him in my crosshairs, like, should I shoot him? And McCoy's like, he has you like, shoot the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> you shoot the shit out of him. And then this is really awful. So this is where the cop is looking out the window and he sees his friend, Billy, mm-hmm. who's another cop. Mm-hmm. Billy gets hit. Yeah. And dies, basically. Yep. I glanced down and I saw Billy get hit. Billy! And this is where Shakespeare's student was so honest. So real. You know, because she says... That was the moment that separated the brave people from the scared people. I knew that there was no way that I was going to go out there and help him. I didn't want to get shot. That was the defining moment because I realized I was a coward. Now, Shakespeare girl, can we give give yourself a little credit here? I couldn't agree more. Because I'll tell you what, right now, like, before I had a kid... You would have been gone an hour ago. You wouldn't even be there to be interviewed. You would be, what are you all still doing here? Yeah, right, like, as you're just like looking back, like, just your voice gets just smaller and smaller. But it's just still screeching and high-pitched, and all the dogs are, like, barking. You just hear you screaming and dogs barking. That's it. That's, it. that's exactly... That's, that's about what would have happened, yes. Yeah. 
And many people would also like just not know what to do in that situation. And that's okay, you guys. It's why when we get to like these people, the hero moments that we're going to get to in a few minutes, oh it's God. why you're scream crying because right. it's so selfless and beautiful. Right. I do want to just like talk about Billy for a second because yeah. he was lost that day and it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating. Yeah. I met up with Billy not a couple hours before that. We just talked a little while, just a good old boy conversation. He was going to quit. He said he was going to work a couple more months and then he was going to quit and go back to college. And that's just what he was going to do. And, uh, you know, his wife just had a baby and everything. The thing that cannot go unsaid, though, is the fact that when Billy got hit, he was standing next to the statue of Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis. Look him up if you don't know. It's yeah. a monster. Garbage. Yeah. Whatever the garbage sound is this episode, because <laughs> this is now the hero bell. So just like, whatever that is, that's, that's the garbage. Whatever. <laughs> so like, I like don't make that noise ever. I'm not like a fart joke person. <laughs> If you had told me that this is how that was going to go, I'm not in a million years. What else do I do? I'm not going to, like, you're the screamer in this duo. (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) That is officially the garbage time of the episode. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. All right. Jefferson Davis, for anybody who doesn't know, was the president of the Confederate States. Can we get a sound effect? (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Sessions is named after him, just saying. Can we get a... I hate that. I what did I start? Oh my god! Um, so our our paper boyfriend is like, look. Even back then, there was a lot of you know people want that that statue taken down, and they don't think it should be there. And he's like, for what it's worth, right. that statue yeah. saved a lot of lives because it was a place for people to take cover. People say that that statue should be taken down. That that statue has no place being there because of Jefferson Davis and all he represents. But at least on that day, it gave me a little shelter. If it had also been a statue of Abraham Lincoln, it would have done the same thing. Yeah, that hat. Come on. You get more height with the... And he was a very tall person, that Abe. So yeah, absolutely. It just should have been. It should just, instead of... But like the number of times the Jefferson Davis statue gets mentioned in this documentary, it's almost comical. I know. It could not be more timely. I know. You know? I know. Yeah. I know. But really, for what it's worth, if you could take cover, um, it's like you got to take what you can get. Yeah. Like so sorry like I, I, I hate that I'm huddling behind Jefferson Davis but I what know. the hell else am I doing <laughs> what am I going to do it is Texas after all so now we cut back to co-op the guy who like couldn't get back to the, you know who saved the, the paper boy oh yeah and this is where he has a great moment you guys so he's trying to get to the tower. He's there. This is a, a moment that made me laugh, but also was incredibly chilling at the same time. Yeah. Because he goes up there. He, again, more eye contact is made with the sniper, yeah. which is just ridiculous. And he gives him what he calls the Italian digit. <laughs> this is not too nice. I took up a position behind a column at the academic center. And I gave him the Italian digit. And then there's this anim- this like beautiful animation yes. of co-op guy behind like a wall, I guess. Yeah. Crouched and just flipping the guy off, just giving him the middle <laughs> finger. It's amazing. I know. And here's here's what is chilling. The sniper sees that and shoots directly at him. I know. And misses. Yeah. He fired once at the column and hit it. But he didn't do it again. So now we're back to Hot Nerd with the glasses. Well, this had started out as a joke, as kind of like, let's see what's going on down there. Right. And now he's seeing the bodies, and he's feeling so helpless. Yeah. 
And it was frustrating, I guess. Something has to be done. But if I go out there, I might die. He's, he's getting that must be that terrifying feeling of like, I know I'm going to do something. I just don't know exactly what yes. it is yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to just be a bystander here. Yeah. And then this is also where we hear from Claire, who is conscious. Yeah. On the ground, pregnant, bleeding out, 100 zillion degrees. And she's hearing people around her. Under the base of the tower, there were a lot of people there. And they were yelling. They were saying... We've got to help that pregnant woman. And then somebody else yelled out. No, we've got to help the ones that there's still hope for. So imagine hearing that and Claire's just like, well, I guess this is like, this is it. This is where it ends for me. So I thought, well, I probably wasn't going to get help. But now this is like, can we just have a prolonged? Okay. Can we? Yes. I know. Guys, this it's going to be, be an hour forever. of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until my hand hurts. <laughs> and then I'm just going to fight through it. Because Rita, girl. You guys. So here's what happens. The, I love Rita so much. I know. So Claire, the pregnant girl, is lying there. And you could not have a more clear shot of a person from the tower. And that's why people are saying if they run out and help her, they're going to be shot in a second. Right. They might not even make it four feet into the middle of the quad before they're shot. It's, right. That's how easy it is. It's yeah. an open space. Right. And so all of a sudden, this woman appears over Claire. This like redheaded angel yeah. just materializes almost and is just like there. Please, are you all right? Let me help you. She came up and, and kind of knelt over me and her hair, it was spread and coming down. Go. Go. Get down. And just says, I'm here with you now. Okay. And Claire, who's sort of like fading, is like, get down, get down, get down. And so Rita lies down and just like starts talking to Claire. <laughs> I, yeah. I know. I know. Sobbing, sobbing. Sobbing, sobbing. What's your name? It's Claire. Claire? I'm Rita. I'm here with you now, okay? And she's like, the whole thing about it is that, like, she's keeping Claire conscious. Right. And Claire says, like, thank God, because if I had been unconscious, I don't know what would have happened. Exactly. And this is also, so we have Claire and Rita talking. And as as we're getting this story, we're hearing civilians are taking matters into their own hands. Uh, Everyone's bringing their guns. And Texas. It's, a, it's a war zone because yeah. there are too many guns. It was like a war. There were gunshots coming from everywhere. At one point, I saw a civilian carrying a deer rifle coming from behind me and running toward the tower. I don't know where these vigilantes came from, but Parlin Hall was filled with civilians with huge guns, and they began to shoot back. If everyone would just shut up and turn their guns off, and we could turn their guns off. I know nothing about guns. Um, put the goddamn... Power your guns down, you guys. Know, right? Like, isn't that how they work? Unplug your guns. <laughs> God. <laughs> in this day and age, that no. that would never happen. No, you no, would, no. you know, you would establish a perimeter or whatever they say on the cop shows. Sure, and you would they never switch let... on the perimeter, right? There's a switch for the perimeter too, isn't there? <laughs> but you would never just have civilians with their own guns, like taking matters into the. That's insane. And I don't know if it. I don't know who said it. It might have been super honest Shakespeare student, but someone was like, "There was massive testosterone." Totally, right? No, totally Shakespeare. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Like, oh, God, isn't there always Jesus Christ? Uh, so this is just like. 
Martinez is describing the scene, hard eye emoji Martinez, about just how chaotic it is. Right. And he's just trying to get a game plan. He makes it clear, because there's no communication. Like, you'd never see the cops on a radio or a walkie-talkie. Yeah. Martinez is like, my mission is to get to the tower. So that's where Martinez is going. Yeah. My training in the Army had taught me you establish a command post right away. Then you organize an assault team. I thought maybe I could go into the tower and assist the people that were going there. This is where we, like, Claire is basically at the end. She has this beautiful quote, and she's sort of, like, resigned to, like, this is how it's going to end. I just remember looking up at the sky. It was so blue. And just thinking, I guess this is it. So, you know how you were saying, like, Hot nerd was just like, I'm going to do something, but I just don't know what. Yeah. Now he's doing it. I knew something had to be done. Someone had to go out there and get him. And then hot nerd goes for it. His name is John Fox. Of course it is. (laughs) Can we get a ding? Mm. (laughs) You guys, I cannot explain to you that now he is making the decision that he's going to go rescue Claire. Mm -hmm. And he knows that there is a the the, poss- the likelihood that when he runs out into this wide open plaza, he's going to get shot. But he's got he's got to do it. And this is where, as we hear of this, this is when we see real life Claire oh and God. real life John Fox, and they take over the story. And present day them yeah. tell us what and happened. And I <laughs> scream. We had to move fast. We knew that. And this is amazing. He says they jump. They like run out into the plaza. The first thing they see is a camera. You can see there was a camera. Time moves strangely, slowly. There's a person out there with the camera, and as soon as he says that, you see the footage. Yeah. You see the actual foot. So you've seen this plaza a hundred times in right. the animation, but you've never really seen it in actual footage. You see him running over to Claire, and he describes how they pick her up. I grabbed Claire's feet. James grabbed Claire's arms. And we ran him off. We ran her into safety behind the hedge and set her down and uh, uh, other people took her where the ambulances were yeah and he says I've never been so scared I've never been more scared (laughs) I've never been more scared and then he has this moment where I felt what he was saying he was saying how even now right now I Mm -hmm. feel there's a spot on my back there's a cold spot that I can feel on my back right now and when I think about it it's about the size of a grape. It's all the, all halfway up my spine. It's halfway between my shoulder blades. And it's the place I expected the bullet to come in if I was hit. And they run Claire to safety. Yeah. But then his glasses fall off his face. As I went down the stairs, the glasses slowly, it was, I, mean, I was sweating like a pig. The glasses slowly came off my face. Everything was uh, turned into a, a complete blur for me without those glasses and I couldn't see a thing hot nerd leave your glasses I get it I understand what it's like to not be able to see things he goes back for his glasses yeah Uh, I had to go back uh, out uh, out from cover again to pick up my glasses and then we we meet another guy Brian Ellison too who he was a former marine he's the one who picks up Tom's body Tom's the boyfriend of Claire yeah who's obviously dead yeah and Brian says he was just lifeless. Just the last one. He was dead. He was dead weight. He was a little hard to pick up. Too limp. 
not like someone who's knocked out. Like he was the hard one to carry because he was dead. It's not like somebody who's passed out. Like the, he was just lifeless. And the thing is, I think this is so beautiful and telling about this person's character. You could have just he could have just left him there to carry a lifeless body. Right. Hero, 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 hero. I know. So now we're at the tower. Okay. And Martinez is there and he's with Co-op. Co-op has made his way to the tower as well. Co-op is basically acting as a cop at this point. So Martinez, who's just getting it done, Mm -hmm. knows he's got to like, he's safe, but he's in the tower. He's a cop. It's his job. He's got to go up the stairs and he's got to, he's got to. Like how many times is the bell going to chime? Like 15 minutes. I know. I know. know. Martinez is like, hello, hard eye emoji. Let's do this. So then Co-op, just like random t-shirt seller Co-op guy is like, I'm going to go with you. I think he actually has a pocket protector. Yeah. It's amazing. Knowing I had to walk up those stairs was a lonely feeling. Where are you going? Huh. I'm going with you. So they open the door to the stairwell, and there's just bodies, bodies, bodies. That's all the people who work there that the sniper had to kill to get up to the outdoor space in the Yeah, tower. yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of them are dead. One of them is alive. There was a young man that was wounded, slumped against the wall, still conscious. The boy that was at the foot of the stairs saw us. And Martinez and I asked him how many people were shooting. <clears throat> and he replied, one. He said, he's outside. And he, he pointed upstairs. So this is like a really emotional moment because, you know, Martinez is trained for this. He knows he might die. Co-op just went to work to make coffee and sell pens right. this morning. Right. And now he literally says, So are we playing for keeps? And Martinez says, Yeah, right, we are. Co-op just goes, well, on that whole, just real quick, just pause, <laughs> just real quick. Right. I guess you better deputize me then. And Martinez is like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Uh, you're deputized. But he like couldn't believe that this guy wasn't a cop. Right, like what He's are you so doing? He's so brave here? and yeah. like valiant and, and ding, all ding, of the ding. things. Yeah, hero, totally. hero, hero. Totally. I looked at him and I I thought he was an officer from, from some other agency. Consider yourself deputized. So now they're like working their way out into the like outdoor space. And you see like you see the footage of the outdoor space and it's not that big. And here's the thing. It's like Martinez goes out and co-op is staying like in the indoor space. And then like other cops are coming into the room. And I'm like, they don't know co-op. How do they know he's not the shooter? It seems like there right. could have been a lot more confusion. A hundred percent. And yeah, McCoy is now up there. McCoy's like the hot, maybe racist cop. Right. And now this is when I'm really just full on sobbing. The picture that Mike took of me, Candid, yeah. is this because they're playing that song, Claire de Lune, right? Yeah. So it's this, like, it, some people could maybe say it's super emotionally manipulative. Whatever. These right. people We're are all beautiful. Here for that. Yeah, yeah. These people are beautiful humans. Give them the beautiful music for what they did. It's like, co op guy is just like, I'm a deputy. Like, come on. Right. These yeah. people are yeah. amazing, amazing humans. Yeah. And they're all like, there are these quotes where, you know, McCoy says, Tom's passing. But you don't feel like time's passing. Do you, do you understand that? Understand. If you weren't there, you can't understand. Right, it. right. Just, and can't. they're all talking about their relationship to fear in that moment. Yeah. There was no time to think about fear. Now I'd be a fool or I'd be a liar if I would say I was not scared. I was scared. But you put that behind you. 
cannot have fear in front of you and do your job. The other thing to remember is that there's gunfire coming from everywhere. Everywhere. So there's like all the police and the vigilantes on the ground and then the actual sniper. So McCoy and Martinez round that corner and they see him and McCoy just like says he unloads his whole pistol. I empty my gun. Then Martinez literally turns around and takes McCoy's shotgun. McCoy was pretty close. I grabbed that shotgun from McCoy, and I shot him one more time as he was hitting the ground. The other thing that's so apparent to me is that there's no communication between the cops on, yeah. up on the tower and down on the ground. You know, so even when when the the shooter is down, there's still no one. All the fire from the ground is still coming up because they can't explain that the shooter's down. Yeah. So co-op takes his hanker, his white handkerchief, and he's waving it. I wave my handkerchief to stop the firing from down on the ground. Once that flag waved, I knew it was over then. It was uh, a bam, 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 bam. It was just because we had you had dozens of gunmen firing at the tower from all directions, and they slowly stopped. And then on the ground, they're interpreting that as as the gunman is surrendering. Ladies and gentlemen, we have this word just into the newsroom. The sniper has been seen waving a white flag on the west side of the building. According to reports just into our newsroom, the sniper has been seen waving a white flag on the west side of the building. So now. It's over, right? right? It goes from it goes from silent when it first happened, which you still can't believe, right. to this rolling thunder of gunfire, and then it's just all over. Yeah, these people are pouring out of their buildings, and all the reporters, everyone there, is saying like people are just kind of milling about like zombies. I don't remember anyone being articulate about what had happened. You know, just um, shock and awe kind of a blankness. They looked like they were mesmerized. They, they weren't hugging each other. Uh, they weren't talking to each other. Most of them were just kind of milling, walking around. So we see, we sort of start to follow the victims mm-hmm. and we see Claire gets taken to the hospital. Yeah, and she really didn't want them to cut her dress. I was begging them not to cut off my dress because it was uh, the first day I'd worn it. It was my first and only maternity dress. It was very beautiful. Tom had helped me pick it out. So that day, there were 49 shot, 16 dead, and 33 injured. Yeah. And now we hear from our heroes in real life now, present day. So co-op guys named Alan Crum. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Constant hero but bell. He has a great story where the city of Austin tried to pay him for one day of deputi- deputized police work. The chief of police offered me a check from the city of Austin for one day's deputized citizens' pay. I refused it, of course. And now McCoy, who you have a love hate relationship like with, the hot, maybe racist cop, is feeling all this guilt. That he wished he could have just, like, why didn't I just run up to the tower and get her done? Right. Yeah, he says that. Go on in and get him done. Go up and get him done and Billy Speed still be alive. Billy! A lot of other, I'm sure. But, 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 but didn't happen that way. 
Um, but he blame he's like blaming himself for all these things, and it's like you are were a hero that day, Hero yeah. Bell. Like, yeah. and then like Martinez, like the big hero, mm-hmm. he he sort of talks about how like he tries to forget it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want it to be like a part of his life. Right. I have tried to just forget it. I hate to see people get hurt. But, you know, you have to be realistic and know that these things are going to happen. And so you have to have the way how to cope with it, how to take care of the problems. We love you, Martinez. We love you, Martinez. Heart eye emoji. Then we get to the paper boy, the, the kid who was a paper boy, who we see him current day. He's like sitting in a lawn chair in his front yard. He's like, this guy right here is my cousin who was with me that day. Right. And they're like, now I'm screaming. Right. <laughs> he still has the shirt he wore where that the bullet. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. This is the shirt that I was wearing. And I must have weighed about 90 pounds when when this shooting happened. See that little tear right there? It's where the bullet just kind of... And he really, like, they kind of drop it in, like, very low-key. They're just like, yeah, we haven't really spoken a lot since that day. 50 years. They haven't seen each other in 50 years. And they, like, thank the documentary for helping them. For bringing them them back together. And, like, they were finally talking about it. Had you folks not given us this opportunity, I would not have seen this cousin of mine. And, uh, well, it's been a long time. I mean, almost 50 years. Yeah. So now we see Potnerd. What's his name in real life? John Fox. How could you John even forget Fox, Foxy? I know. John Fox and Claire reunite. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting at a picnic table sort of talking about everything. And he's talking about how he feels guilty that he didn't go out sooner. Right. Once again, a hero who's apologizing. Right. I feel guilty because I didn't go out soon enough. Oh, Artley. Uh, you know, that you were... <clears throat> Artley. <laughs> yes. So I, think, I think guilt comes with uh, events yeah, like, yeah, events yeah, like yeah, this. Strange cool. guilt. Claire's not having it. Claire's like, John, Girl, Foxy. I know, exactly. Foxy, come on now. And then we get Claire's story, and it's so beautiful. Do you want to take it? So Rita and Claire, Rita's full name. Are you guys ready? Everybody sit down. <laughs> Put down the eyeliner and mascara. You're going to have to reapply it. Gather your bells. Pull over I know. if you're driving especially. <laughs> Rita's name is Rita Star Pattern. I know. She's an actual like angelic being. I know. There's part of me that's like, did Rita really exist? Was she just like this um, this like but spiritual being? Claire says the same thing. So after the shooting, Rita came to visit Claire once in the hospital and brought her a beautiful painting. I was in intensive care for seven weeks. Rita came to see me when I was in the hospital. She came and brought me a painting she had done. I was just, you know, incredibly touched by her bringing that. And uh, I think that's the only time we saw each other after that. This beauty, even in the animation, it's just like, I want that. It's this beautiful, like just this blues and greens and just like a gorgeous, gorgeous, like so colorful. It's probably made by Marla's dad. Probably. Can I just switch out the garbage garbage, bell? Garbage, garbage, garbage. garbage. And I'm just like, this is the hero bell. Don't taint it, Mark. Asshole. So, but then they never see each other again. And they say, and Claire says that like, she started to think that maybe Rita never existed, that she was like an angel. Yeah. And she just says like, 
what she did was so selfless. And as time goes on, yeah. Claire realizes more and more really what she did yeah. to crawl out there and just hang out with her. And it's amazing that Rita wasn't shot. I know. Rita Star Pattern. I know. And Star Pattern is her last name. You guys, it's Star Pattern. And she died in 96. She did. Um, And then we get Claire's story. So Claire lost the baby. And she was told that she would be able to have kids, but she wasn't able ever to get pregnant. So she adopted a boy from Ethiopia. Sirach. I adopted my child, Sirach. He was born in Ethiopia, and I adopted him when he was four. And um, he's now 27. I mean, Sirach was a wonderful child. And there are times, even though his skin is brown and mine's white, there are times when I absolutely cannot remember that he didn't come out of me. And then she says, too, that, like, as much as she loves her son, Shirak, she has, she started dreaming about her baby that, like, right after she lost the baby. I dreamed about him from the beginning, and I still have dreams that I found him. And I have him, and I'm so happy. But then I look away or something, and he's gone. Oh, I can't even imagine. Uh, Yeah. Um, But then... There's this really beautiful thing at the end where they're th- – this documentary does a really good balance of not um, of not dealing – of not telling the shooter's story. Mm-hmm. And the way they do sort of tell his story is through Claire at the end yeah. where she's reading the article. There's an article in the, in the paper about him. I don't know when it's from. But she's reading it and she – you know, there's a picture of him as a three-year-old boy. And she's like, look at that boy. I'm a teacher. I could never – like that's – this is my favorite age. Like I could never hate that person. There's a picture of him standing at three years old holding a rifle on either side on the beach. I just think of him, he, he was that three-year-old who would have been sitting in my lap. You know, I'm a teacher, and um, I love that age. So much promise and so much hope. How can I hate somebody like that? I can't hate him in spite of the incredible damage that he's done. I can't hate him. I just can't do that. And then the filmmaker asked her, Do you forgive him? I forgive him, yes. How can I not forgive? I've been forgiven so much. Claire, girl, it's not the same. (laughs) Yeah, there is definitely, there there was a moment in the middle, and I feel this in almost every documentary that we cover, where I'm like, do not end with forgiveness. Don't do it. Don't end with, don't forgive. Don't forgive. No, no, no. And then you just, you see how, like, if Claire had held on to that anger, like, you see Claire now, she's so healthy, and she's so loving, and Mm -hmm. she's so happy and, and at peace, that if she'd held on to that anger, like, it just wouldn't, have all it would have heard is her yeah you know and the thing is they don't end on forgiveness another hamilton reference they end on Wal- with walter cronkite saying that yeah the shooter's crime is society's crime yeah and and as they're playing that they're showing all of the images of like columbine and sandy hook and- right it seems likely that charles joseph whitman's crime was society's crime this is walter cronkite good night Girl, we did it. We got through it. Did it. We did it. This is so, it's just so reminiscent of the keepers for me. I know. Just I was like, thinking about that when we were talking about like forgiveness in the end. Total heroes. Can you imagine? Uh, girl, where can the people find us? At True Crime Obsess on Twitter. 
and throw in a hashtag get obsessed while you're at it. <laughs> Don't forget to do that. Don't forget. And truecrimeobsessed.com where you can see all of our episodes and you can check out the calendar for all of the episodes we have up through March. Which reminds me, we are changing next week's episode. We told you it was subject to change. Yeah. We didn't think that the one that we had next week it was who killed the electric car. We didn't think it was true crimey enough. Yeah, I was like, Patrick, where's the crime? I know. <laughs> what are we doing here? So we are going to do my friend Rockefeller instead. And you can find uh, on the website, you can find where you can find the movie. If you like the woman who wasn't there. Yeah. This is one of those where it's just like bonkers people pretending to be other people and swindling people out of money. I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, where can they find you, girl? At Jillian with a G on the Twitter and the Instagram. You can find me at Patrick Hines on the Twitter and at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. So here is the trailer for My Friend Rockefeller. Uh, stay tuned for our amazing outtakes. And I know, can you believe we have like funny outtakes from today? But we do. Um, yeah. And then our palate cleanser this week is from... <gasps> Finally from Hamilton. God. Bye. Bye. He introduced himself as Christopher Crow. We knew him as Christopher Chichester. In Baltimore, his name was Chip Smith. This is Clark Rockefeller. He's the new neighbor. This case is like a one of those 500-piece jigsaw puzzles. He called my, um, my father dad and my mother mother. So he would be like a brother to me and like a son to my mother and father. Do I miss Clark? Not anymore. Not since I read the news. (laughs) Wow. Clark told us that Helmut Kohl was staying with him that Sunday. And too bad you won't be here next week because Britney Spears is visiting me next week. Now, most people would hear that and just go, you know, dude. Instead, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be here for Britney either. He got a card under the name Clark Rockefeller under your credit card account? Yes. I agreed to marry him, and um, I was loyal. Did you love him? Yes, I did. Did you believe he loved you? Yes. He says, you know, I have this aunt, Blanchette. You know, you may have heard of her. She started that little old museum on 53rd Street. MoMA, right? It turns out that I've inherited a few paintings. And I said, okay, well, what are their names? And he said, have you ever heard of Jackson Pollock? (laughs) How shocked must this guy have been to realize that people he'd known decades ago places he'd been decades ago were now coming back to claim him. You, you made a kind of a fool of a lot of people who... Walter, I, I never ever meant to make a fool of anyone. When I was with him, I thought I was with the fanciest person I'd ever met. But the truth is, I was with perhaps the saddest, scariest, lowest most degraded person I'd ever met. Clark was the the writer, he was the producer, he was the director, he was the makeup artist, he was the costume designer, he was the set designer, and he was the actor, you know, of this movie that was Clark Rockefeller. 
Is that too loud? No. I'm not the one who screams into the microphone. I do scream I do scream into the microphone. As Thank you very much. That one iTunes review. <laughs> I'm a danger to society and you scream too much into the microphone. <laughs> I wonder if he likes gay people or women. Neither. No. He just likes himself. Yeah. Oh, Martinez. Humana, 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 humana. So we meet hot nerd in glasses. Two guys playing chess listening to Top 40. Oh my god. I was like, Why? are they going to make out? Is, that, is this the thing that's going to happen? <laughs> it's a different kind of movie. <laughs> it's not that kind of movie, Patrick. Did you call him hot nerd on your own? No. Oh, I was going to be so proud. No. <laughs> Do you know what I have in my notes? What? Boys are so stupid. <laughs> well, can't argue with that. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> he actually says, he's like, this isn't pretty or something like that. Yeah, like, and I hate to say it, <laughs> but I gave him the Italian digit. I'm like, the Italian digit? Are you kidding me? <laughs> And then we, we meet another guy, Brian Ellison. Brian. His name is Brian. No, his name is Brian. It is? They say Brian. I even spelled it out right. How oh, dare you? I haven't written as Brian. It's probably my autocorrect or whatever. My spell check. Sorry, I take it back. That was a really bitchy of me. I apologize. <laughs> the other part where, um, where McCoy says, I wasn't going to let anybody make me dead. <laughs> All right. I see you, McConaughey. I see you over there. <laughs> Not gonna make it. Also, the store is across the street. They know what's happening. Right. <laughs> they don't. You're not gonna get in trouble for not coming back from your lunch break. No one's like, oh, there's that shooter. You know what, Alan Crum, his lunch break ended seven minutes ago. Somebody write him up. He was really on the fast track to employee of the month until today. TikTok. Alan. Meanwhile, Crum. he is out saving the world. <laughs> Meanwhile, you guys. Uh. Martinez. Immigrants, you get the job done. I'm obsessed with you. I know. And now I'm obsessed with you for a Hamilton reference. Thank you. <laughs> we don't know that he's an immigrant, by the way. No. Speaking of racism. <laughs> but I just, I, re- I just am always here for a reference. I Never forget my mother's face that was real As long as I'm alive, Eliza, swear to 